Well, praise God, man. I, I tell you, I'm not responsible tonight for my actions. I, I've been having my own little uh, camp meeting going on at the house for the last two days. I, uh, my favorite uh, evangelist minister, uh, his name is R.W. Shambach. He's gone on to be with the Lord, and he was the first person I ever went to see after I got saved and we were in a big Coliseum, I don't remember which one it was in San Antonio, I went, uh, just kind of one of these things, I was scared, little old boy out of a Methodist church, never seen anything in life, like I was about to encounter and entered a big building and next thing I know, man, the meeting was on and the organ was playing and he was preaching and spit flying and everybody was jumping up and down and, you know, he kept hollering, come on, somebody run around the building. And I mean, people jump up and run around the building. And I mean, it was wild. And I looked at Laura and I said, my God, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Come on, Lord, give me a big tent and something. This is what I wanted. So I didn't know his, his, his messages, his, his uh, video was on uh, YouTube, and I found it, and I started just watching Oh Man, I was just getting all fired and wired and fired and inspired, and I'm preaching to myself. And, and so I can't be responsible for any of R.W.'s anointing that jumps off of me. It comes on you, you know, tonight. Uh, praise God. But uh, I got a couple of things I want to share with you tonight, and... Uh, and I'm just going to get into it and just start talking, and then we'll just figure out where we're going to go. But uh, <clears throat> interesting, interesting fact here, uh, and I, I don't want to get into the whole thing here, so just you just go figure. Um, I, I've been trying to learn how to judge mile, wind miles per hour. And so I looked up some videos and looked up some stuff like this, and I read this one article that said if you – you know, if you can feel the wind blowing on your ears, it's about, you know, three miles an hour. And then if you see, you know, you, you at that distance, you'll see the grass moving. But then, you know, if you look through the trees and at the tree limbs bending, where well, now you're getting up to five. And it went through this whole scenario using it. So my first thought as I was reading it, I was like, well, what kind of a tree was it? You know, you're talking about a wispy kind of cedar tree talking about an oak tree you know i mean that's going to make a difference i would think and so i didn't like this thing and i said well this isn't any good because you know i really want to know how to judge uh, wind speed and so i thought well there's nothing to do but you know buy a uh a meter you know and so um then i started looking those up oh my gosh you know you go with it there you know this one's great that one's good don't buy this one. Oh, i bought this and it didn't work this one isn't right this one doesn't. you know so you go through this whole scope so finally i just chose one bought it got it in so then now for the last couple of days i just been walking around every time i just stop oh, oh. 2.6 gusting to 4.3 okay you know so i'm just doing this and so feel how it goes on my face it's kind of i'm wanting to be able to do it just like to look at the surroundings and do it without having to have a wind meter. Anyway, so in doing all that, the Holy Ghost said to me, he said, that's what a lot of people are doing in life. They're just going by what they feel. And then they're just guessing at what's right. And he said, this is the way you got to do it because you got to figure out what really is, how do I know? If, if you just came in and said, oh, that's about three. Well, how many, how many, how do, I know you know it's three miles an hour. You see what I'm saying? And so a lot of people in life are living their lives and they're just guessing at what the velocity of the wind would be. I guess that's the proper way to say it, right? 
They're just guessing. And they're saying, well, my daddy told me, you know, when it blew, when it, you know, made the hair ruffle up here on your ear, you know, that was five miles an hour, you know. But that may not be right. We've got to operate in truth. We've got to operate in revelation. We've got to operate, and the only place you're going to get it from is right here in the Word of God. And it's not taking obscure scriptures and twisting them around to do what you want to. It's just taking the big meat of the Word of God and saying, is it true or not? And then once you have this wind meter that you can hold up and say, oh, that's what truth is. You see, because people say, oh, well, truth is, you know, well, wait a minute. You know, sometimes God doesn't answer prayers or sometimes he doesn't answer them like you want. Or sometimes God wants you sick and he doesn't want you well. And you go through all this and everybody gets all their garbage out there. You're not going to be able to walk in life unless you know what the truth truly is. Amen. And so this whole process of going through this, it was the, the Holy Ghost is showing me, you know, uh, 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 truth and error, truth and error, truth and error, truth and error. And so, now on to another story. When I was watching one of uh, Brother Shambach's uh, messages, he did 90, I think it was 92 or 93, he was recalling a person, asked him, because he had a great uh, uh, evangelistic revival-style meetings. There was a lot of miracles happen in his meetings. But he was an associate of a man named A.A. A. Allen, who uh, was a... a evangelist, traveling evangelist during the 50s. And uh, someone asked him, he said, what was the greatest miracle you ever saw? And some of you may have heard this story or not, but if you don't, you need to go look it up. And uh, he, said, he told the story, <clears throat> happened in 1957. So that's 64 years ago. But I'm hearing it firsthand because I'm listening to Shambach, who was standing on the stage when the miracle took place, you know, because thank God for television. Thank God that we can, you know, do things like that. And you can get firsthand information. So he said they were holding a meeting, and I, I, I may have my states wrong, but I believe it was Alabama. It's Alabama or Mississippi. And they were holding a meeting, tent meeting, and uh, it was a six-day meeting, three days, three times a day, three services a day, six days. So they had a morning, a noon, and an evening service. Brother Shambach was preaching the morning and the evening service, I mean the morning and the noon service, and, and Brother Allen was preaching the night services. Well, in those days, when you went to a church and it was that big and all, and if you were sick, you filled out what was called a, a, a sick card. And you filled the card out and you gave them to the ushers. And so you basically just asked a few things on there, what was wrong, what was the sickness was, and this, that, and the other. And so they got these cards and then they were numbered. And so there were so many people, you couldn't get them all up to the front and pray for them. So they'd call numbers, you know, 1 through 25 or something of this nature. And then those people came forward and then they prayed for them. And so a woman came walking into the service, and she had a baby. It was four years old. I said, I guess it's not really a baby, but it was a, it was like a, she was carrying it like a baby. And it was a totally deformed baby. When the baby was born, it had 26 diseases. It had no feet, no genitals, no eye. Uh, it was blind. Uh, his arms were wrapped up inside tight like this. Uh, he had no feet. And uh, the doctor said he'd never live it over a year. And this lady came into the service with this baby. And so <clears throat> she comes into the service, and she comes first night. And so they, Brother Shambach happened to see her there, and he went over there and got a card for it and everything and put it on the card and got it running. He said, you know, okay, well, we'll get this turned in. So, you know, then the meeting's going and everything's taking place, you know. And, and so he keeps thinking about that child, keep thinking about that child, but the number never got called. So the woman had been coming three days, three times a day for six days. And it's, the, it's, it's, it's 
it's not the last night of the meetings, but the, the night before. And she comes to Brother Shambach and she says, uh, Brother Shambach, I had a problem. She said, I'm, I, I've, I've exhausted everything. I've run out of money. I have no I have no money. I've been staying in a hotel room. I haven't been to eat. I've been coming to the meetings. I've been putting money into the offering plate. And he says, I don't have any money. And I'm, I have $20 left. And uh, said, uh, you know, so this is my last night that I can be here. I'm going to have to go home. And so he said, look, if the man of God doesn't get your baby prayed for tonight, I will take you and him to his trailer tonight. I guarantee you we're going to pray for that child. If, his, if your number's not called. So the meeting started did everything and said, Brother Allen, now he was a little different, okay? So uh, he, he, everything started, the music started, everything like that, and then he came walking on the stage, and he walked on the stage, and the first thing he did is reached and he picked up an offering bucket. And he picked up the offering bucket, and he held it out, and he said, God told me tonight to come up here and take a special offering. Uh, anybody that needs a miracle, you need a miracle tonight, but you need to give, you need to make God your full, t- full source. You need to give more than you could ever give in your life. And the bucket's up here and you need to come give an offering. So brother Shambach said, he thought, man, I've never seen him do that. And that's just kind of strange, you know, and I, I, I just, you know, he felt kind of odd about it. And he said, he looked and that lady, he saw her bust out of the aisle and just run to the front. And he said, she threw something in the bucket. And so he thought, he said he was curious enough. He's like, I want to see. So he works his way over there and looks in the bucket, and it was the $20 bill. He knew that's what, all she had. And so um, he thinks, what's going to happen now, you know? And so Brother Allen started having a, a, a vision, and he just starts out, and he just says, I see a, I see a big white room. I see a big white room, and it's, it's uh, full of doctors. And I see these doctors, and they're looking over uh, it's a, it's a baby. They're looking at a baby and he says, they say they have, you know, he starts off and he says they have 10, 12, 14, no, 26 different diseases in this baby. And I, I see a, I see a car and it's got Tennessee license plates on it. And that's where the woman was from. And, and she's driving down with another woman and, and, and she's got this baby and he just stopped and he looked and he says, is that child in here tonight? And the woman said, you know, yeah. And she brought the baby up there all twisted, all deformed. Oh, and the other thing was his tongue hung out of his mouth onto the side of his cheek. And uh, so she brought the baby up there. And so Brother Allen just reached down and picked the baby up and held it. And he said, now I want everybody in here to close your eyes and, and pray with me. And, uh, but Brother Shambach said, well, he wasn't about to close his eyes, man. He wanted to see what God was going to do. And so he starts following Brother Allen across the stage watching this child. And he said, he said, this is the time that I believe that the veil of heaven was totally opened. He said, as he just began to pray, nothing special in the prayers. He said, the first thing he saw was the tongue of that child just, it just he said, it just sucked back into the kid's mouth. And he was like, oh, I you know, I saw that. And then he looked at the baby and he said, the baby's eyes began to swirl. They were just white. And they began to swirl and all said, boop, two blue eyes. And he's like, He's just standing there with his mouth open in amazement. He said, and about that time he heard this, he said it was a, really a loud pop crack like something broke. And he said the child's arms just straightened right out. And then he said he always let his kids, when they were traveling, play with silly putty. And he said it looked just like silly putty was stuck on the end of that kid's feet. And he said his feet just started to mold. And all of a sudden, as he was just standing there watching, he said all of a sudden there was feet and there was toes. There was everything stuck right on that child's body. Now, I want to tell you something. This would be a hard story for me to believe 
if I didn't know that R.W. Schambach was a man of God and I had followed him through his life and knew that that man was not making stuff up. He said then in a minute, he said just one thing started happening after the other and after the other, and Brother Allen set the child down onto the stage, and the child looked over. His mother was standing at the end, off the stage, and she was just standing there weeping. And he said the, the child looked around a little bit, and then he just zeroed in on the mother, and he just took off running, and he, he was scared because Brother uh, Shambach had seen what the shape this kid was. And so he went to run after the kid, and he said the kid got right to the edge of the stage and leaped and leaped into his mother's arms, and for the first time ever, he said his words, he said, Mama. It's totally and completely healed. He said about three weeks later, the lady called him and said, I have a problem. And she said, what's wrong? And he said, well, the doctor wanted to see my child. And so I brought my child back to the hospital and they won't give me my child back because he's got every surgeon, everybody in the world is in there and they're all trying to figure out how this kid was healed. And they have declared him cured. There's no disease in my child. But at the same time, this went on with this child healed. And the story went on. He said there was a group of people in wheelchairs over there. And he said, Brother Allen just looked at him and said, stand up. And he said, all of them just jumped right up out of the wheelchair. And he said, there was another group over here that were all laying in hospital beds and gurneys. And he looked at them and said, stand up. And he said, they just all jumped up and stood up. And he said, about that time, the great, this noise and racket went on. And people began to run to the front. People that were blind had the, you know, the sticks. Uh, throwing them on the stage, crutches, canes, sort of just piling up on the stage that everybody in that whole building that night was totally and completely healed of no matter what it was, whether it was creative miracle or, you know, whatever. Everybody in there was totally and completely healed. So my point of saying all of this is I, I really have felt for a while that God wants to do something big. But when you go look at things, God does things in 40-year periods. And, and actually listening to a couple of those tapes, he had people up giving testimonies, and there were all these people having these miraculous testimonies here when God saved them and did all this. Was, was, they were in the mid-'80s. Well, I got saved in the mid-'80s. And I know a lot of people got saved in the mid-'80s. It's like God did a breath. He just, just kind of blew over the body of Christ. And a lot of people during the mid-'80s, you know, we were coming out of Carter, uh, just getting into Reagan, but times are bad, times are hard, where everything was messed up, banks were closing down, people were losing their businesses and farms and stuff like that. But it was like, whew, God just kind of did a little blow. And there's people got saved all over the place. Well, we're about 40 years from there. Okay, we're coming into that time. I don't know how to figure it. I don't know whether to figure it's the, you know, 80 or like myself, I got saved in 85, you know, so I don't know how exactly that goes, but we're, 36 years to 38 to, you know, something like that. But I really believe God's about to do something. But now here we go into the message. I believe those can, ha all that I just told you right there, I believe with all of my heart, it can happen again. All right. There's no doubt in me that God will do it. I have seen a lot of miracles myself, but I just know God will do it. I know that God can move and he can do anything and people get saved and, you know, uh, I mean, my gosh, if you save me, you save anybody. Okay? So my point being, in order for something like that to take place, the one thing I believe that we have to do is we have to be ready. Now, my message I've been preaching, I started preaching on Sunday mornings. Got a, I'm not going to give you everything that I was, I'm going to do Sunday morning because I, I, I don't want to steal my thunder. But um, 
I believe God's trying to get us prepared, and the only way we're going to be prepared is we have to know who we are in Christ. We have to know what, 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 what it means to have Christ on the inside of us. What does it really mean to be born again? What does it really mean to be righteous before God? What does it mean to, 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 to live in a place, the dwelling place, he who dwells in the secret place of the most, the dwelling in there with God in the secret place? What does it mean to have this position to where you know God's not mad at you. You know that what Jesus said, that anything that I did, you can do also, because I'm going to be up there with the Father, be telling him to get her done. Hello? And that you won't be stolen from or you won't come in short because the devil stole from you to, believe, to get you to believe that you weren't worthy to walk in what God had for you. Now, I want to go over this again. Because I want to just explain this to you one more time, because I just believe there's something here. I, I felt like when I preached Sunday, there was something, there was something else there. There was something like, like just, ooh, man. I mean, I just went home and I just been chewing on it, chewing on it, chewing on it, chewing on it. Because it, it to me became real simple. And like I've always said, I'm not preaching anything to you that I haven't been, you know, going over myself. It's just real simple to me that if you go back and you look at the tabernacle and you look at the priest and you look at what they were doing, that this guy made up some anointing oil. He took the ingredients that Moses said for him to do. He took that anointing oil. He mixed it as it was as he was told. I mean, any of us can follow a recipe. Hello? It's not like it's magic doing it. You just follow the recipe. That's all he did. So what I'm saying, the oil wasn't anything special. It wasn't made out of angel's hair, right? Or the leftover manna that was, you know, in, in, in the pot over there or something, you know, that wasn't one of the ingredients. It was just ingredients, but it was had measurements to it, and they were supposed to do it. But they took that oil, and I'll let my water bottle be the oil bottle tonight. And so he took that oil, and whenever they, whenever they got it and whatever they touched, that thing they touched because of that oil, they were in obedience to what God said. Hello? They were in obedience to what God said. They took it. They put it on it. Then that vessel became holy. It was consecrated. What happened? I mean, they didn't, I mean, come on. If, you, if somebody would look at that anointing oil and said, that is the formula for Clorox. That's why it was consecrated, because it killed all the germs on it. You might convince me differently. But my point is, they were in obedience to God, made up an oil, put the oil, smudged that oil on there. When that oil touched it, whatever it touched, that thing was holy, including the priest. So they came up there. They anointed him. They put, they, they put the oil on the priest. Priest was holy. He was right before God. Think about what holy means. He was right before. He could walk into the presence of Almighty God and not be killed. Because somebody dripped some oil on him. Do you see how simple this is? It's so simple. They just took the oil, put it on him, and then that person could walk into a place that he couldn't have before because he didn't have the oil on him. Right? So let me read this to you. Um, Exodus 24, 6. Here's, here it is. Moses took, in accordance to what God said, Moses took half the blood and put it in a basin, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant. He read it in the hearing of the people, the book of the covenant, 
the book of the covenant. The book of the covenant. Hello? Then he took the book of the covenant, he read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, and they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be, what's the word? Huh. I'll be jiggered. He said, I just, everything. They said, yeah, what you just said, yep, we'll be obedient. It's amazing when you be obedient to the word of God. When it doesn't seem right, when the Bible says love your enemies and you don't want to. But if you just be obedient, Luke 6, given it shall be given unto you. Just be obedient. Love. Bear all things, believe all things, hope all things. Just love. Obedient. Just be obedient to the word. Honor the word. Hold the word up. It's not like, yeah, the word, it's up for debate. It's up for discussion. No, no, no. It's going to be obedient. So he says, and we, all that we will do, and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to these words. Now, if you read some other scriptures, Leviticus and whatever, he took a hyssop, which would be about like a sage bush, and he dipped it in the blood and he sprinkled it, threw it out, blood spots. So it hit them and then boom, everybody's holy and there's a covenant cut. Are y'all with me? We're talking about a mass one here, not just a little blood. We're talking about just slinging it off on anybody. You get hit with the blood, you're like, glory to God. I'm holy before God. Now, you got to understand something. They were looking at the literal Shekinah glory of God descending down from heaven over the thing. I don't know what it looked like, but I just know that if you go read when God descended down on Mount Sinai, had had to put the army around it to say, don't even let somebody's foot touch it. They foot touch it, I'll kill them. Hello? Always laugh at David because being an electrician, I'm always telling me, like, I fear electricity. And if you're an electrician, you you know that that you get used to it. But me, I'm like, electricity and rattlesnakes. I don't like either one. Because somehow I'm going to get bit, right? I don't like messing with it. They tell me it's off. I don't trust it's off. I've joked so many times with them. I said, I always carry a long screwdriver, the big rubber hammer, and just handle on it and just stick it down in there and jiggle it around. Let that thing spark because I don't want it sparking off on me. But can you imagine the Shekinah glory of God? (laughs) Mount Sinai looks like it's on fire burning. But you could walk right up there at the blood. They sprinkled the elders, and the elders went, 75 of them went right up on top with Mo- and sat down with Moses and sat down with God. Why? Because of the blood. Just think about that. They weren't any better. They didn't have, okay, well, we, Lord, we're going to need a month to purify ourselves to make sure we eat right, don't say anything, didn't cuss, didn't do anything, you didn't get, you know, no, all our mouths are straight and everything's cleaned up, you know. No, no, no. They put the blood on them, and then boom, they could go. Waltz right on up in the presence of God, and it didn't kill him. Hello? You ever seen <clears throat> these alignment? I don't know when they have to do it, but they, I've seen them before. The, uh, they're working on the high lines, the power lines, and they put those gloves on. And I guess those things will keep you from whatever, getting shocked. But I don't know when the, I don't know if there's a certain amount of voltage that then is going to get you anyway, no matter what. I'm sure it will. But they do that, right, to keep from getting shocked. Am I right? I've got two electricians in here, right? Okay, so you got to trust in the gloves that it's going to work, correct? Yeah, not me either, but that's why I don't do that job. But my point is, 
Do you see what I'm trying to say about trusting in the blood, trusting in the anointing? If you didn't have the blood on you, you didn't have the anointing on you, you walk in there, you're going to die. But then once they got the anointing on them, they were bold as a lion. Walk right on in there. Moses, walk, I mean, Aaron walked right on in there, pour the blood out on the mercy seat, do whatever he needed to do because he had the blood on him. He had the anointing on him. He followed the rules. He did it right. I guarantee he did it right. He said, check out this one more time. Make sure we got everything right. We got everything right before I step through that veil. I want to make sure everything's right. Hello? My wife, you know, I, I've tried to learn to cook from her. It ain't no good. She don't know what she puts in anything. She don't measure nothing out. We just do this. Well, what was that? I mean, put it in what was the measurement, you know? So it wouldn't be like that if you're getting ready to go into the presence of God. Man, you're going to make sure it's right. Hello? Okay. My point is I'm trying to drive home here. Now look at um, Hebrews 8.1. I'm trying to get you to understand that Jesus is our high priest. And the high priest is the guy who went in there like, <laughs> I mean, this would never happen, but nobody, everyone trusted Aaron that when he went into the Holy of Holies, he did what he was supposed to. Ain't nobody going to go in there and check. Right? So everybody distrusted. So when he came out and wasn't dead and he came out, then everybody said, we're safe for another year. Right? Because that's what it was. You poured out the blood, atonement for the sins of Israel once a year. When someone had took their sacrifice, went up to the priest and he said, yeah, can I whisper to you? I did. He said, whoa. He said, yeah, I'm going to need two sheep and four turtledoves for that one. He said, okay. And so you brought the two sheep and the four turtledoves up there and you gave it to him, but then you trusted that the priest did what was right. He killed him right there. You watched him put on the sacrifice. You walked away and said, I'm right with God. Because of what was done. Look what it says here, Hebrews 8.1. Now, this is the main point of the things we're saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty on, in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. So he's saying, look, guys, we got a high priest, but he's not, he's not doing the high priestly duties on earth, he's doing it in the real tabernacle that's in heaven, where the real mercy seat is, where the real business gets done, where the real sins are forgiven, where if the veil is pulled back, everyone is healed. That mercy seat, that glory, that tabernacle, okay? For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that the one also have something to offer. For if, if he were on earth, he would, be, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, who serve the copy, who serve the copy and the shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed. So, Everything I've told you <clears throat> about what took place in the tabernacle was only a copy, a, 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 an illustration, a shadow of what was really taking place or what was really going to take place in heaven. You following me? So the anointing and being holy and going into the presence of God that was taking place in heaven. Hear what I'm saying? This is, this is so good. I mean, this is so good. He said... 
For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. So Jesus, from the resurrection, when he ascended to the Father, he took his place as high priest in heaven. So what do high priests do? They make atonement for the sins of the people. Okay? They make people, let me say it this way, holy. Because that person's not holy, he can't do his duty, he puts a moral on him, you do whatever you're supposed to do, then he becomes holy and then he can go minister his duty. They're the high priest with this bottle of oil, putting it on him, made that person holy on earth. He says, we've got a better covenant built on better promises. So how much more when your high priest, Jesus Christ, the high priest of the heavenly sanctuaries, puts his blood on you when you made your confession of your faith and belief in him as Lord and Savior, and his blood came on you and washed your sins, how much more effective is that for you being holy, giving you boldness to go into the throne room of God, giving you boldness to pray your prayers and speak as a child of God who set about as a kingdom of priests, right? First Peter tells us, kingdom of priests. We're a kingdom of priests to do his job, to do the work. What? The ministry. Go anoint the showbread. Go anoint that. Go make the animal sacrifices. Or putting it in our terms, go minister to that person. Go pray for that person. Go speak a word over that person. Pray over there for that person and watch me move. So many times our prayers to God are, oh, God, God, if you could just help me. God, if you could just do something, please. Yeah. No. No, as a priest, you have a ministry. And you can go boldly into the throne room of God and say, Father, I'm just here today. I'm making intercession for so-and-so. They're they're stupid. They did things wrong. They're in trouble over there. But God, I'm just here to make intercession for them. Now, as your minister, your priest, so you can stand boldly to him and talk to God. Why? Because of the blood. No, not because you're good. Not because you did everything right. Not because you got all your P's and Q's lined up but because of the blood. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't tell you, I tell you this in, in, in the most reverent way because I don't want to ever disgrace or say anything ill about a man of God, but you need to hear this because it goes with the message. The man, A.A. A. Allen, who prayed for that and all those miracles took place and that boy was healed and all that stuff went on, he was an alcoholic. And so many nights after the tent meetings, he would go back into his room and drink a fifth of whiskey. And he died an alcoholic. He overdosed. His blood level was like 3.6 or something when he died. My point is, God's not always looking at, obviously, at a man and his abilities. He's looking at, what are you going to believe in? And what is the blood of Jesus saying about your life? My point was, God didn't stop moving and say, oh, that vessel's not worthy to work through. No, because I guarantee you that man had a revelation of what I'm talking about tonight. He had a revelation of God and what he would do and a gift that he understood to operate in. And when he did it, he was doing it as the priest. How many of those priests, those Levites, boy, those Levites, they weren't too nice of people. You think they did everything right? You think they were just the, the most holy people in the world and just the most godly, saintly people? Absolutely not. But once the anointing hit them and they operated as a priest, they were right before God because of the anointing. 
And I'm telling you tonight, folks, who've been sitting around letting the devil twist your tail, just get your tail and just run her like this because you're thinking that you're not good enough to operate or do anything for God. And who am I to do and say and pray and talk to God and do this? And the devil's just rolling your tail because he's getting you to look at you. But if you'd ever get your eyes off of you and start getting your eyes on the blood of Jesus and the high priest who anointed you, huh? I believe if you go look, you know, everybody says, I, you know, I was lost and then Jesus found, you know, found me or, or you know, they, they, it, but if you go look at the scriptures, it says Jesus called you. So he called you into the ministry. He called you into salvation. Hello? Jesus picked Judas. He picked all those other disciples that ran off. And if you keep letting the devil twist your tail and tell you you're not worthy to pray or talk to God or, or, or understand the word or, or tell somebody about Jesus, whatever, then I want to tell you something. You're, you're, in a sense, saying, well, your high priest isn't good enough to get you holy and make you right. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say, God, if you'll take an old country boy like me and use me because I got the blood on me, then I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I'm not going to be scared to walk on water if that's what I got to do. Because it's not me, it's the blood. If you get this revelation tonight of the blood, you get that revelation down that it's, the blood makes you holy and righteous and unblameable before you, before the presence of God then all of a sudden your whole life will change because when you go talking to God in your prayers, you're not just like begging for a crumb to fall off the table. You're going as a son of God saying, Lord, this is what's in front of me. And I see this, and so I've got to speak to it, and I'm commanding right now for the wind to blow and to make whatever happen and la, 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 la. Hello? And you're going to do it with authority because you're going to understand the boldness of God. And so many Christians are running around, and they're not understanding this. They're still letting their minds be alienated by the past and by the course of this world and by what the devil says, not what the high priest says. I want to look to my high priest. And if he said I'm holy, then I'm holy. Not because of what Robert does. Not because I got perfect speech and I never get mad. I mean, not because... I, I do everything right and I keep it up. No, because he is so amazing. He set the world free with his blood. He paid the price when no one else can honor and worship Jesus because he is so amazing that one drop of his blood can make me holy. And I am so glad I got saved. I'm so glad that I met Jesus, that he touched me and came and lived on the inside of me. I got full of the Holy Ghost, and, and, and he wants to use me as a vessel. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Does it mean I'm not going to have any problems in life? No, it means you're going to have adversity all the time. I mean, that's the truth. You're going to have adversity all the time, and we're going to overcome it by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Hello? Now, I wanted to show you two more scriptures, and then I want to quit. And I can't believe I've already gone so long. One more scripture. 1 John 2 and 20. 1 John 2 and 20. It's a real simple scripture. You need to memorize it. It says, but I have an anointing from the Holy One, and I know all things. The anointing, I want you to stop thinking about it as being anointing oil, although there is the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to think about it as to be able to say, I have an anointing, or I have been anointed 
by my high priest. Therefore, I know all things. The blood is over my life, and I can walk through anything. Amen? It's a revelation we got to get. It's a revelation that we cannot turn loose. It's a revelation that we have just got to get down and get down and get down and get down and then just to be able to just go on with what Jesus wants us to do. Amen? But if we're going to see signs and wonders and miracles, we're going to see the move of God and we not be left out, we've got to get on board. And I really believe this is the first place that we need to step off and launch off into this thing is knowing our righteousness in God through Christ Jesus. Amen? So I want to pray for you tonight. I want to pray for anybody out there watching the broadcast, anybody out there listening right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if right now you're not knowing for sure that you're right with him, you're saved. If you died, you'd go to heaven. Well, then I want to tell you something. The Bible is really simple. It's simple in the sense that all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and he will come into you. The difficult part is, You have to come to the place in life that you repent and ask him to come into your life. That's what the the catch is. You've got to be looking at Jesus to be the savior of the world, your world. But if you do and you pray sincerely and say, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be the Lord and savior of my life. I believe in you with all of my heart. Forgive me, wash me in the blood, and anoint me with your blood, and make me holy and righteous and unblameable. He will. And then you're, you can walk in everything I preach tonight as a child of God. So what I want to do is I, I want to ask you all just to stand up, and I want to pray for you because I don't want you to lose this revelation. I want to I pray that it's sealed in your brain that the Holy Ghost is going to keep working on you and keep bringing you to this place. But Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for everybody in here. Pray for everybody watching, Lord, that right now that anointing would just come upon them and seal this message in their minds and their hearts right now. Devil, I rebuke you from stealing it. I know that the word says that as soon as they walk out that door, that immediately you come to steal the word. But I declare you're not stealing this word. I declare this word is for the believers. I declare this word is for the saints, the soldiers, the army of God. I declare that no devil in hell is going to steal it. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I declare they are covered and protected by the blood right now. And I thank you, Lord, for blessing them. I declare that this message is going to continue just to seep into them and just grow in them and grow in them and grow in them. And every every time they read in the word, they're just going to see it more and more just leaping off the page at them. And so, Lord, bless them tonight. Bless their offerings, bless their tithes, their givings, bless their businesses, O God. Let everything that our hands touch prosper. Lord, let us be like trees that are planted by the river, Lord, strong with roots deep in, that, Lord, we can accomplish everything that you want us to do. And, Lord, we give you praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.